Well, good morning. Is it not a gorgeous morning outside? Man, I loved being outdoors this morning. So hey, we want to begin with a question this morning right here. Have you ever known the right thing to do and not done it? Have you ever known the right thing to do and not stop looking around people? I saw a couple of elbows. But it's easy at times right, to know what the right thing to do is, the right decision, the right choice, and we fail to do it. We, we can go really, really simple, basic. You say you're going to get up in the morning and go work out. The alarm goes off. I think I'm going to pass today. Or you tell someone you're going to start a diet, and then they pass the, the rolls. Start tomorrow. Or maybe you tell your kids you're going to do something. The day completely loses all bearings. You're exhausted and tired, and your kids are looking at you saying, Hey, you remember when we said you were going to do this? We know the right thing so often and yet fail to do it. And then there are the more complex issues. Maybe when we talk about forgiveness, it's eating you alive inside, and you know you need to forgive. And something within you says, I don't want Because the bottom line, there are ten times for all of us that we've known exactly what we should do in the moment and yet failed to do it. And what is it that keeps us from doing the right thing? I, I try to think through for, for me, what is it that keeps me from doing the right thing in the moment when I know what the right thing is? So, sometimes it's fear. Right? There's a fear of doing what is right at times. Maybe there is pride just don't want to do it. Maybe I'm above that. Maybe it's a self-control issue. Maybe it's laziness or selfishness. Maybe it's um, deeper. Maybe it's lust or greed. But something within us at times keeps us from doing what we know we should do in the moment. And throughout this series, we've been wrestling with this question, how does Jesus become king? How, how does Jesus become king? And understand this, the road he is walking, he is walking much, much of the reason is because there are people who know the right thing to do, yet fail to do it. And this is a road that he's not only willingly walking himself, but it's a road that he's going to be forced to walk by others. As Jesus enters Jerusalem, he's held as king. They shout Hosanna. He comes in as this expected king, the Messiah they're waiting for. And yet now he's going to be escorted out as a failed revolutionary sentenced to die. 
And Jesus is walking this road because there are people in the story. And we could probably go bigger than, than that. Throughout the entire who have known the right thing to do, and yet failed to do it. So we're going to begin chapter 15, verse 1. Very early in the morning, the chief priests, notice who all is here. Chief priests, the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin made their plans. So they bound Jesus and led him away and handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. You have said so. Jesus replied. Now, thinking back to last week, here's the primary accusation against Jesus. He says he is the king of the Jews. But if you remember back, you hit rewind and go back in the story last week, just a chapter earlier, that wasn't the accusation of the religious leaders that felt Jesus needed So it says, verse 61, But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? I am, said Jesus. And you will see the Son of Man, um, reference to Jan Daniel 11, sitting at the right hand, Daniel 7, excuse me, um, right hand of the Mighty One, and coming on the clouds of heaven, which is Psalms 110, the high priest tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses, he asked. You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They all condemned him as worthy of death. And so the religious leaders get together in their huddle, and they decide Jesus needs to die, not because he claims to be a king, but because he's claiming to be Christ the Messiah. But the accusation they take to Pilate is he's claiming to be a king. Why, why the difference? What's the problem? Because blasphemy in a Roman court meant absolutely nothing. But if you step into history and say, I am going to be king, because if you're going to be king, that means Herod's not. That means Caesar's not. That means Pilate, you might lose your power. You might lose your position. They bring a different accusation to Pilate to sentence him to death than what they actually decided he needed to die for. They twist the truth to accomplish their own agenda. They twist the truth to accomplish their own agenda. Because Jesus' agenda conflicts with their agenda. How, how often in our life does Jesus' agenda conflict with our agenda? With what's best for us, with what we want? Has Jesus' agenda ever been in conflict with yours? Because there are all of us times who know the right thing to do. Fail to do it. Last week I told the, the story of me 
throwing the cork that bounced up and hit my teacher in the face, and I was caught, basically sentenced to die before my dad. And I had the opportunity, and I lied through my teeth to get out of trouble. It was all about self-preservation. In the moment, in the moment, the first thing that came to my mind was, you know, I need to be a person of character and integrity. The first thing that went through my mind is my dad is going to literally kill me and I have got out of it. Got to get out of this. And so out of fear, out of self-preservation, I didn't do it. It wasn't, wasn't me. It, and I told the teacher and the principal and my parents sitting in the principal's office, it wasn't me. But I know who did it. It was all out of self-preservation. It was all out of selfishness. It was all out of fear. But in that moment, there was no one that hit pause and said, hey, you know, years from now, you're going to look back on this moment and wish you had been a person of greater integrity. Wish you had be a, a, been a person of greater character. I wish you had just stepped up and said, okay, I did it. I'm sorry. I'll face the punishment. But I didn't. And now I have a great sermon story. <laughs> but start. So picking back up, verse 3. There we go. The chief priests accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, Aren't you going to answer? See how many things they're accusing you of going on. But Jesus still made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. Now it was the custom at the festival to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionist who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Asked Pilate. Now listen, knowing it was out of self-interest, Pilate understands what's going on in the story. Mark, Mark's certain of that. He knows what's behind bringing in Jesus. Knowing it was out of self-interest that the chief priest had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call king of the Jews? Pilate asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed? Asked Pilate. They shouted all the louder, crucify. Now, maybe the most troubling line in the entire story. 
wanting to satisfy the crowd. Pilate released Barabbas. Wanting to satisfy the crowd. He gives them Barabbas. And he had Jesus flogged, handed over to be crucified. And that line to me is troubling. Because Pilate knew their motive. This was out of self-interest. He saw it. He knew it. Wanting to satisfy the crowd. He gave them Jesus. I think we make this faulty assumption. We've talked about this before, but this faulty assumption, if people knew the right thing to do, then they would do it. That's all it is, right? Just teach people the right thing to do, and they will do it. But so many times, the problem in that moment, when we know the right thing to do, and we don't do it, is not a head problem. Heart problem. It's what is underneath. It's what's inside that no one sees. I mean, because use use Pilate for a case study, right? Does Pilate know the right decision? It, It seems like he does. He knows the right decision. But here's the bigger question. Will what Pilate knows save Jesus? Will what Pilate knows save Jesus? No. So so what's missing then from the equation? What's absent that's needed for Pilate right now? And I would say it's this, it's courage and character to do what is right. The courage and character to do what is right. In that moment for me, going back to 10th grade, it would have been the courage and character to do what was right in the moment. For you in those scenarios, it's the courage and the character to do what is right in that moment. Because so often, we know the right thing to do. And we fail to do it. Pilate knows. And yet he refuses to do it. And so often we think, okay, we need to have more willpower. We need to know what the right thing is. And then we need the, the strength to be able to do it. But what, about if, what if it's not about willpower, but the Spirit's power? What if it's literally about God coming into our life transforming and changing who we are so that a Christ-likeness flows out of us. Because left to our own power and our own strength, time after time, you will fail. You might get it right some. 
But when we talk about changing the trajectory of your life, when we talk about the character that looks like Christ, that only happens through the power of the Spirit at work and living in us and living through us. Pilate, wanting to satisfy the crowd, gives them Is God was setting apart His people and calling them to a different way of life, to be a holy, set-apart nation, and teaching them how to interact with one another, teaching them how to interact with the rest of the world. He gave them some laws about mercy and justice. Now I want you to listen to how he begins this section. He says, do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. What if Pilate had just had this piece of advice? Do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. When you give testimony in a lawsuit, do not pervert justice by siding with the crowd. Pilate has this moment where he knows the right decision. He knows the right thing to do And he fails to do it. He chooses to go a different direction. But if we're honest, the crowd can be a problem. The crowd's always been a problem. So check this out. The gentleman in the elevator now is a candid star. These folks who are entering, the man with the white shirt, the lady with the trench coat, and subsequently, one other member of our staff will face the rear. And you'll see how this man in the trench coat (laughs) tries to maintain his individuality, but little by little, He looks at his watch, but he's really making an excuse for turning just a little bit more (laughs) to the wall. Now we'll try it once again. Here's the candid subject. Here comes the candid camera staff, three of them at least. And uh, this man has apparently been in groups before. with his hat on in the elevator. First he makes a full turn to the rear and Charlie closes the door. A moment later, we'll open the door. Everybody's changed positions. (laughs) Now we'll see if we can use see if we can use group pressure for some good. Now, in a moment, on Charlie's signal, everybody turns forward. Notice, they take off their hats. And now, do you think we could reverse the procedure? Watch. 
But what I want to know is how the actors don't just bust out laughing the entire time. And, and I'm guessing that you've had moments like this, maybe not on an elevator. For me, one happened on a playground in fifth grade. And everyone in the crowd was standing around a kid named Arthur. I think I've, I've told you the story. It's been years and years ago. But everyone's standing in a circle around a kid named Arthur. And Arthur was kind of made fun of a lot. He talked with a lisp. And so everyone is standing around Arthur ridiculing him, all my friends. And I had always been the one that kind of stood up for Arthur, took his side. And so that day on the playground, you will be very proud to know, not like a court, I stood up for Arthur. Applause. I stood up for Arthur, and I told everyone to stop, and they did. They stopped making fun of Arthur, and they started making fun of me. <laughs> and they started to call me a little girl who loved Arthur. And so I did what any fifth grader would, I think what any fifth grader would do. I looked at Arthur, and I said, you are a little girl. And I will never forget his face. And it wasn't just his face and his head, but his shoulders. He walked away. And I felt terrible. And the next day I came back to Arthur and I said, I am so sorry. He said, I felt horrible. But that was one of those times in my life where I went with the crowd, knowing the right thing to do, failing to do it, no, knowing what I should do and what I should say, but I didn't. See, Pilate knew what was right and refused to do it. Judas yielded to the devil in his great sin. Peter yielded to the flesh when he denied Jesus. But Pilate yielded to the world and listened to the crowd. Pilate looked for the easy way and not the right way. And I would love, because I've been there, I've been in those moments where Pilate is right now in the story. I've been there. I would love to be able to go back in time and just say, time out, hit pause, Pilate, come here. Come here. I know right now that everyone is against you. And everyone is yelling, crucify Jesus. You are about to make the worst possible mistake you could ever make right now in this moment. But we know that's crazy. We can't do that. But here's the thing. No one can do that for you either. Because when you're in those moments when you're faced with doing what is right, 
the thing that you know is right, and trying to decide whether or not you will do it. No one's going to hit pause and say, hey, come, let's talk. No one is going to hit pause when you're reaching for another drink or when you're fixing to visit that site again. No one's going to hit pause when you're fixing to tell that lie that's going to save your hide. Or when you're doing something you hope no one else will ever see. No one's going to hit pause and say, you know the right thing to do. I'll stand right beside you when you do it. It comes down to courage, character, do the right thing. And that doesn't come through our strength. That comes through the Spirit transforming and changing our life. That comes from the power of God at work in us. Because the bottom line is Jesus is going to the cross because people who knew the right thing to do failed to do it. Bottom line. But Jesus is also going to the cross for people who know and knew the right thing to do. Failed to do it. See, you and I fall into that category. And you'll hear people say at times, it's our sin that put Jesus on the cross. And, and if you're new to this whole Christianity thing, you might think, that sounds crazy. That's 2,000 years before I lived. I could not have contributed to that. But as we talked last week, Jesus wasn't just coming to become king of, of Rome or Judea. This was a cosmic battle. For he was battling sin and death. And in this story, in the conclusion of this story for Jesus, good finally defeats evil. Good finally wins the day. And you say, okay, how in the world does that work? Evil does its worst. There, there is nothing more evil, nothing worse you could possibly do than to torture and kill an innocent man. And in that moment, the innocent man does not say eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. He does not seek revenge. He does not hold it over their head. He does not hold on to it in anger. Instead, he looks right into the face of it and says, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. He looks into the face of that unspeakable evil and he forgives it. For every single person who has known the right thing to do and failed to, to do it, Jesus looks right into the midst of it and says, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. And you think, okay, that, that's great that Jesus is able to do that in this moment. But the result of it, 
The result of not falling into sin is he does not have to face the punishment of sin, which is death, because Jesus is raised from the dead. God vindicates him of that punishment. And he raises him from the dead. In that moment, forgiveness proves to be a greater force than hate. Forgiveness wins the day. And Jesus looks into the face of every single person who would follow him and say, I want to be your disciple. I want to be like you. Just come and follow Do that. It's going to take courage and character. Follow. Even when times get really even when it's not the popular choice but it's the right choice even when no one's looking but we understand that God called us to be people of greater care no one will find out no one would be affected. Courage is character to do the right thing in the moment. Jesus looks at all of those, us included, who failed to do the right thing in the moment, time and time again. Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. Father, today, thank you. We're grateful, Father, for this time as we enter into communion. As we begin to prepare our minds and our hearts. Father, we thank you for the gift of love on the cross. That gift, Father, that was spoken to us. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Father, today as we prepare our minds, Father, would you be with us? May we see your power, beauty, and grace. In Jesus' name.